What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Football Full Circle. Mike Blewett and George Kurtz taking you around the world of the NFL over the course of the next hour. I'm wearing glasses. I normally don't do that, so I'm going to remove them. I, I don't know if I look educated or nerdy or what with those things on, but uh, I need them to see at an increasingly scary rate, George. What's your glasses situation? Uh, I just use it for reading. That's it. I really don't Same. need it for this show. Uh, if I would have thought about it, I would have taken mine off too, but uh, I'll leave them on today. Uh, I used to wear glasses years ago when I was a banker because uh, I was a uh, branch manager uh, in my 20s, late 20s, and I looked younger then. And people, I didn't think people gave me the respect, so the glasses tend to make you look a little, little older. Like I said, a little bit more mature, maybe, whatever. So they're like I, faux glasses? No, pretty much it's very similar to these. My eyes have gotten better over the years, where I didn't need them yeah, for about 10, 15 years. Yeah. And now it's uh, trying to read a computer. It's got a little bit tougher. I don't need them to watch TV. If I was going to watch TV and TV's about 15 feet away, I would take these off. It'd be blurry watching Same. tv i can so i can see long i just can't see very close same i but i found myself getting through a good 45 years without wearing glasses things started to diminish a little bit so i need them for reading the, the main impact was that i couldn't read my phone anymore couldn't read text i tried to increase the size of the the, the uh the words on there but uh that fell apart but now because i'm wearing them so much because i'm on so many screens trying to read stuff i think it's just making my eyes worse because i leave them on and i'm looking through them at stuff that I don't need them for. Anyway, that's it for me and my eyesight. Uh, welcome, George Kurtz. Find him on Twitter, at George Kurtz. I'm at Mike Blewett. Uh, we can be found anywhere at SportsGrid on Twitter and SportsGrid TV on Instagram, so you can find and follow us where we're doing. George and I, to be totally frank, have been dealing with a whole bunch of technical issues, all the fun stuff of working from home and doing all this remote stuff. Uh, it's been 
a blessing and yet a huge curse. We've been doing a lot of content, some of which is only passable on audio. So hopefully you're seeing our beautiful faces uh, right here. So George, uh, what came up last night? I, I'm going to give you the floor, a little story that you and I shared last night uh, after we were done recording. It took us several hours to get through a one hour program, but uh, what happened next? Yeah, uh, last night was an interesting night. It was actually kind of a fun night. It was Mike, Joe Lisi, and I. It took three hours to record a one-hour show. We had our ups and downs, but we pretty much had fun with it. So yeah. the show's over. You know, uh, I'm, I'm put, I put everything away. My light's away. The green screen's away. I'm reading the newspaper. I still do that. I had a that. fat glass of Malbec uh, red wine in my hand. I, I should note. <laughs> I, I'm reading the newspaper online, and I get this text from Mike Blewett. And he's, uh, now, first of all, Mike and I are very similar. We both live on Long Island. We've both been with the company, I think, since day one. Mm -hmm. I think we're two of the longest tenured employees here. And uh, you know, we both have, we're both married forever, both have two kids. So it's very similar. And I get this text from Mike Blewett. Turn on that Fox Sports 1. Turn it on. I'm like, oh, my God, what's going on here? I didn't have the TV on, so I got to go chase my remotes. Find a remote. I turn it on. It's the Green Bay Packer Dallas Cowboy playoff game from two to three years ago. Yep. The game went. I'm 2016 a fan. NFC uh, divisional game. So I'm, I'm, I'm. Why would you do this to me? It's at the point. Okay, about 10:50 at night. It's at the point where Mason Crosby had already hit one field goal to win the game, yep. but Dallas had iced him. So he's about to line up to kick it, the winning field goal again. I'm like, why? Why would you do this to me, Mike? Yeah, it was a troll move. I, I would say one of my best uh, of this lifetime, and it wasn't. It wasn't so much intentional, I'm going to uh, mess with George right now. It oh. was that we've talked about this game on air so much. I was at this game. I went to AT&T Stadium. I had a huge hookup there, luxury box. It was great. They were unbelievable hosts. I was rooting for the Cowboys, something I had never really done in my life. I was rooting for them that day. And um, Green Bay went up huge in that game, and then Dallas came storming back. Dak and Des Bryant had a monster game because that was at a, a time in their history where the Packers couldn't cover anyone. So Des ate them alive. The next week they went on to get uh, boat raced by the Atlanta Falcons and Julio Jones tore them up too. But uh, it was a really crazy game. There were tons of Packers fans there. Uh, it was uh, so Dallas comes storming all the way back. Mason Crosby goes down with about a little over two minutes left, and he hits a over a 50-yard field goal. I have to check the yardage, but it, it's over 50. Dallas then comes back, drives down the field, and it looks like they got a little touchdown drive going, and they're going to win, and it's going to be mayhem in that building. Unfortunately, a couple of play calls you and I still don't like, a little clock mismanagement. It left them to kick a field goal with about 35 seconds left. Now, again, I came in last night. I turned on the TV. It What has just happened, they are reviewing Jared Cook's catch to see if he got his feet in on the sidelines for them. They're lining up to kick a field goal. There's three seconds left. And they are reviewing the play. The referee comes back out. And this is the moment where I turn on the TV. And I'm like, oh, my God. I instantly realized what's happening. I'm like, George, you got to turn this on. And part of it was like, this will be funny to mess with him. But part of it was like, what well, we talk about this game all the time. And here, it's on Fox Sports 1. And uh, the, th the thing that I forgot, the detail that I forgot, the referee comes back out. He says, it's a catch. And uh, moving on. The thing that I forget is 
um, Jason Garrett ices Mason Crosby right as he's about to kick the field goal. It's over 50, again, a second 50-yard field goal, and he right down the middle on the iced kick. So then you're like, oh, thank God. He called the timeout there. Mason Crosby just hit a 50 50- our field goal again, and he lines up and he drills it again. He hit actually three 50-yard field goals in the last two minutes of a playoff game, and that is one of the more amazing kicking performances I've ever seen. Now, that team went on to get crushed the next week, but I'll always remember it because I was at the game, and Cowboys fans will remember it because it was just a, it was a, it was a tough loss. That was a year in which Look, that was Dak's rookie season, right? And we're thinking that they might have something here. And the, wasn't the was the Super Bowl in Dallas? No. No, no, it was not no. in Dallas. That was in Green Bay made the Super, Super Bowl. The Green Bay Pittsburgh Super Bowl was the one that was in Dallas. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you, you threw me under the bus last night and ran me I over. I did really Thanks. badly. And thank you for bringing it up now again too, and going on a nice two minute rant about the game. Thanks. You know, you ruined my to, last look, night. You're gonna ruin my it's night for today. the people. It's for the people. Uh, oh, yeah, well, Mike Blewett and I were supposed to do a show that day, too, because we were doing, I think it was Rotor Experts in the morning, and Mike abandoned me, so I don't remember who I did the show It's like Martin Luther King weekend, and I, I, had, uh, I had a day, uh, I, had, I had a chance to get this ticket. I got somebody to fill in. It's very rare. It was a friend of mine uh, worked for the Dallas Cowboys for three seasons, and he had made a decision that he was going to move on. Um, his family was back in the New York, New Jersey area. He wanted to move back. Shout out to Matt. And uh, he had sort of given notice. So he basically told us, hey, this is going to be my last game. It's not like he couldn't call in a favor now, I suppose. But um, it was going to be his last game. And I said, I was either going to go to that game or hope that they win and go to the next one. Because they were going to, I think if they had won, they were hosting Atlanta. Was that, did they rip off a 13 and three in 2016? They did, but they were the third seed, the Cowboys. They, uh, I think Seattle was ahead of them, and I think, I guess Atlanta was the other team that was ahead of them. So they didn't get the, uh, uh, they couldn't be one of the top two teams. I do remember that. It was a tough, okay. there were some tie breaks that could have come down late in the season, didn't go their way. Great season, unfortunately, a couple of other teams had great that was seasons it. as well. That was it. And, we were uh, having to root for other stuff to happen. Yeah. Um, and I just said, well, this, this may never happen, you know, uh, so I'm going for that game. So, um, but good times. So, yeah, yeah. Good uh, times. Sorry. Why do you bring up the Dwight Clark catch while you're at it too? I wasn't you there. Go there. You I know, anything else you want to break up? Uh, was, maybe the, the Yankees like blowing you know, the 3-0 lead in game in 2004. I don't really don't that. ever want to bring that up. Yeah. You're a Yankee fan too. So I think it's over. I think it's overstated. How uh, the the choke situation? I think it's overstated, but that's probably that's yeah, probably for choked. another segment. I, I'm not saying they didn't, but I think they, it's they overstated choked. the level uh, in which they did. Uh, 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 and they didn't get blown out. They lost two extra inning games. Game yeah, seven is game seven anyway, is a no show. They choked. You had a three zero lead. You lost. They choked. They, you had several chances in that series to win games. I think A Rod and Posada both popped up. With the runner on third, nobody out that would have won those games in extra innings before Boston won. Game four is a tough one. Game There's four also is that, a tough one. That Tony Clark double down the line where if it doesn't bounce into the stands, the Yankees win that one. I really don't want to do this, but uh, I, you're right. You're right on all of the. Above. I already feel miserable, so I'm taking you down with me now. Okay. So uh, George apparently is going to follow up on my troll job uh, by doing something on Twitter. So this might be already done. I think uh, really great. Already done. Uh, okay, let's talk about some. Uh, let's talk about some current football. I think one story that is worth noting since we are regularly talking about wagering, 
this came out a couple of days ago. We just haven't talked about it on Football Full Circle uh, as of yet, is how much the coronavirus has impacted the wagering market. And just to give you some sense of the impact it's had uh, locally, us being in the New York area. New Jersey sportsbooks saw year-over-year revenue cut in half in March as the coronavirus pandemic halted essentially all major sporting events. It's no surprise. I mean, the numbers aren't a surprise to me, but it gives you some sense of how significant it was. Uh, Garden State Sportsbooks won a net $13.2 million in March. That's down 58.3% from March 2019. And you have to figure, really, George, that's the first 11 days, right? March 11th is when um rudy gobert got sick was found out that rudy gobert got sick for utah jazz and then everything cascaded and shut down after that sports were done by the end of the day thursday uh absent a first half game between st john's and creighton in the big east tournament um and uh so that's it so that that's really you got about 11 or 12 days of wagering in there which accounts for the 58.3 percent drop from March 2019. Uh, the amount wagered also dropped sharply. It was $372.4 million. In March of 2019, $187.1 million in March of 2020. So uh, you don't have to be a, a rocket, science to, uh, rocket scientist to figure all that out, but uh, clearly it's going to continue to have an impact as long as this ban is lifted. The only thing that we're... I watched a little Chinese professional baseball uh, today, the Taiwanese league, Rakuten Monkeys against the Fubon Guardians. I actually watched the ninth inning of that game, so that's really all I have going for me. I think it's all most of us have going for us, right? Yeah. I've seen that as well, by the way, yeah. uh, the highlights and stuff like that. Uh, listen, we're all missing the games. Everyone's losing money. It's why this country, they're going to, the sports leagues are going to try and come back. You know, I, 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 th- I believe they will. I think they're going to make some mistakes. I think this is why the NFL, I'll say it again, why they're in the best position, because they can watch the mistakes that the NHL, the NBA, MLB, MLS, that they all make. And they will make mistakes, mm-hmm. but they're going to try and come back. You and I live in the New York area. We heard Cuomo say yesterday, he's the governor, that he actually said he wants baseball to try and come back with no, no fans in the stands, of course, but that it'd be good for the country. And I, listen, I agree with that as well, that it would be good for everybody at least all sports fans, to have games to watch, to distract ourselves from what's going on here. But there'll be mistakes made. And so yeah. I can't say this enough. You could say, oh, you can do it. You know, you got to quarantine the players. We're already seeing some pushback from baseball players on that now that, what, I can't see my family for four and a half months, five months, however long this might be. What am I going to do? Just go to the hotel and the park? Hotel, park, hotel, park. What about the employees? Where are they going? Are they going home? Well, that, that can't be healthy. Right? I mean, you know, we talked about college football yesterday with Joe Lisi. I don't see how college football could start as of right now because you're going back to the schools. Right? It means you're going to – all those people could be infected. Look, when the, imagine, Notre Dame, when the Notre Dame AD says we're not playing football if the students aren't back, that, that, that moves the target, right? It means that we're not just worried about the 100 football players and the staff. We're worried about 60,000 people, right? The entire campus you have to worry about. Here. And once again, we're in April here. Things could change dramatically in four months. They can't. We're all hoping they do. Things should get better. And I, I have no problem with sports leagues, all of them saying they're going to come back, they want to come back, because that's hope. right? You don't want them to say, no, no chance we're playing in no September. You don't want to hear that. No one does. That's depressing. But uh, I think there are a lot, of, uh, a lot of logistics, a lot of hurdles that need to be crossed here. And I think they need to be smart about it. Because once again, 
Protecting the players, yeah, I think that can be done. But also these players are probably the healthiest people we might have in the country, right? They're professional athletes. They should be healthy. But when they go home or when they go out, they could be infecting people who aren't so healthy. You know, our younger people, our older yeah. people. Yeah. You know, and, and those are the ones you have to worry about. Not so much the players who are playing, but everybody else. Can't say this enough. You've got hotel workers, stadium workers, the grounds crew, umpires, the media. Uh, who's, who's shopping for everything you need here? So you've got people at stores. I mean, over and over again. It, it's, it doesn't stop anything. It's going to go on and on. You can quarantine the players, but I can't see how you're going to quarantine all these workers. I yeah. can't see that. I mean, listen, Mike, you work in a, I don't know, stop and shop. Well, you work for the Hotel Marriott. And they tell you, hey, Mike, yo, we're going to quarantine you for the next four and a half months. Uh, how much are you paying me? You're not quarantining me if I'm not getting any extra. That's all those employees that got to be paid extra too. Where's this money coming from? Yeah, it's, yeah, I know. Look, it's extremely complicated. I, I, I really do think college football is, it's going, as much as I'm targeting personally, and you and I are targeting personally the NFL to see how, how deep the impact is and college football is going to have the most difficult time because you're really counting on people mobilizing in basically all 50 states to come back onto campuses and no more distance learning and obviously we have a long way to go we're talking four more months but that's the thing that it's hardest to wrap my head around right now like whether it's my alma mater Boston College, where you have, you know, students between graduate and undergraduate, you're in like the 13,000 range, 14,000 range, or we're talking about, we keep bringing up Ohio State and Michigan, you know, between the two, that's just like, that's like a hundred, over a hundred and over a hundred thousand students. And that's not including the employees. So to, to start thinking about stuff like that in close quarters, that's hard for me to wrap my head around, George. Me too. I mean, listen, we got as a country, we have to get healthy. Sports is important. I think we've seen that more than ever now. How you know, this country loves sports, and we all love sports. I know we're biased. We're a sports channel, you know, and we want sports back. But uh, I think uh, sports does sort of bring the country together. You know, it's something to watch, root for, or root against. You root against your favorite team. You might hate the Cowboys, hate the Yankees. Uh, I get it, and that gives you something to galvanize yourself. Yeah. But we got to be smart about it. We just we have to be smart about it. It's just the same way we have to be smart about when you go outside. You know, wear the mask. Stay inside if you don't have to. Wash your damn hands. Yeah, if I hear my I wife tell me to wash my damn hands one more time, I'm gonna strangle somebody. Yeah. You're not gonna have to worry about the COVID. You're gonna have to worry about me strangling you. <laughs> but uh, listen, I don't go out. I know Gabe Ranch loves the joke that I uh, you know I pretty much pay out, lock myself in my house anyway. But right now it's a smart thing to do. I mean, I, yeah. I only go out when I absolutely have to. Yeah, it's a perfect time uh, for an introvert. I'm not saying you are one, but uh, my sister considers she's like embracing the introverted nature uh, of this pandemic. But uh, to wrap up that story, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy had ordered his state's casino to close in mid-March. Nearly 90% of the money bet in March with New Jersey Sportsbooks was placed online. That's actually a little higher than normal. It's normally uh, with them in the 82% range, I believe, 80 to 85%, right in that sweet spot. Uh, his story goes on to talk about how esports can be a big beneficiary there. I, I think I think I absolutely understand that. Chinese professional baseball, esports, and then everybody that it comes back. Golf is going to get a huge bump uh, when they're most likely the first sport back, but we're still uh, almost seven weeks away from that. So George and I will come back, talk a little bit more about football, focus on football, on football full circle right here on the grid. It's Mike Lude and George Kurtz. We'll be right back.
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, we're back on Football Full Circle. Mike and George, follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid. Thanks for watching Football Full Circle. George is going to go sort of round robin of topics right here. Uh, And the first one is related, all sort of draft related. And uh, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell says the league's decision to have via pro football talk is part of keeping as much of a sense of normalcy as possible at this time. I think you and I have talked about it a fair amount. Uh, He was talking with Rich Eisen on the Rich Eisen show about this. Um, Even if it looked at times to be a little insensitive to some people, maybe I'm being selfish by saying it, but I'm glad they went through with free agency. I'm glad they went through with the draft simply because it is something that didn't, uh, isn't impacting people's, health. I think it does give something people something to watch, something to look forward to, and obviously something for us to discuss selfishly. But I don't really have a problem with it. I never did. I understood why the league wanted to move forward with their off-season business. And frankly, at the time, they were making a bunch of these decisions. And even now, there's no sense of exactly when things will be back to normal. So I think they conduct business as normal for now and let the chips fall where they may later. I, I haven't seen too much blowback at this point. Yeah, I think when, uh, you know, I've said this before, when they opened free agency, I did think at the time that it was the wrong thing to do. 
because of what the country was going through? Did you really want to announce, you know, $60 million contract with $30 million guaranteed when the country was people were losing jobs? Some people were, uh, were dying. I thought it might have been the wrong thing, but it ended up being a great distraction. Something for everyone to talk about other than what was going on in the country. So yeah. uh, I did think that was uh, ended up being the right thing. Uh, I think with the draft, once again, I sort of leaned towards you. Maybe you wanted to postpone, and Roger kept, keeps saying, uh, well, we don't know if things are going to be any better two months from now. Well, true, but they probably can't be much worse either. But then again, you sort of think it'll give us, once again, something else to talk about. Yeah, we'll have four days of drafting, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I understand Saturday and Sunday, you really got to be into the draft to be talking about it. But it gives you another another topic other than what's going on in the world, other than what's going on with your employment, other than what's going on with the epidemic. You know, so uh, I think it is a good thing. I do understand the NFL GMs being not that thrilled about it. This job is tough anyway for them, you know, to get to get a draft pick right. We all know it's pretty much just educational guessing sometimes. And now you can't even meet the players. Right? You didn't get to right. sit down with them. You didn't get to work them out. You didn't, they didn't get a pro day. You know, so I right. get it where they may not be happy about that. But you know what? It is what it is. And listen, this is also true. This is not Goodell's decision. If the owners wanted to delay the draft until June, they would just tell Goodell, cancel the draft. And he, he would do it. Well, he is the mouthpiece for the owners. That's all this is. So the owners want this to happen. Uh, Goodell may want it to happen, too. He may think it's the right thing, but this is not his choice unilaterally. It's not the way it's Plus, working the, here. The, the, the wheels that are turning, the wheels that are turning behind the scenes, as you said, are always driven by ownership. But in this particular case, every decision that they were making and the timelines that they were on were all an effort to try to get to the negotiating table on the new media deals. Period. That's what the rush was. That was what their main motivation is, was, and will be, is to try to get to the negotiating table on the new media deals. I think they're going to explode, but there's obviously some pause right now in these negotiations because the networks don't really know exactly what's going to happen They'll probably play this year under the 2020 deals that are in place. And then, you know, these media deals really are for 2021 anyway, right? So um, I, I think it's a little tough for the networks to negotiate right now because they don't have advertising dollars coming in in the manner that they previously did. They have obviously other priorities right now, but the sports divisions of those networks are probably still having discussions with the owners, and are, or at least will, post-draft. Oh, of course they are. I mean, listen, the networks are missing sports programming. I, I Listen, MLB, uh, NBA, NFL, maybe even the NHL can always ask for whatever they want, mm-hmm. all right, because there's just not enough programming here. The, uh, one of the reasons why, you know, the uh, Doc Prescott, why he, his uh, agent wants to wait and not have a five-year deal, have a four-year deal, because he wants to get back into that free agency before Dax too old to get another bite at the apple because the cap's going to go way up when these new television contracts get signed. I mean, way up. Some people think it may get 60% high. That's how crazy these things might be. You know, and the, uh, the, the players' union itself will get another Sports bar, Business what, Journal right? estimated 60 point. to 7% right. increase so, on the current deals. And that was before this happened. All right? That was really before yes. the epidemic happened where we lost all sports on TV and now everyone's complaining there's nothing to watch here. So this could be, our, you know, banner times for sports television in general once this uh, we pass by this epidemic here. So, yeah, I think that's a big part of it as well, Mike. So uh, one mini story, which is going to bridge us into a sort of longer discussion, is that uh, Dave Gettleman was questioned. He said, um, you know, he's been resistant to trading uh, in the past. He's never done it in the first round, so trading back specifically. 
Uh, and he said it's a good way to trade yourself out of a good player. He sort of changed his tune in terms of saying that he's willing to discuss uh, any and all options, um, perhaps as some influence from Joe Judge. But realistically, I think he's just trying to be level the negotiating table, right? And I don't think he'll trade back. I just think it's not his nature. I would uh, because I think the Giants need more than one player. But what do you think? Dave Gettleman going to trade back? You think he's likely to do it, or is he just going to stick to his normal playbook? Once again, why any general manager would ever tell you exactly what he's going to do is beyond me. Why mm-hmm. would Gettleman come up and make that statement earlier that, oh, no, I, I'm never, you're not going to get the same pl- kind of player if I get trade back? You know, you want the offers to come in. You could think that, and you could think, you know what? 99.99999, I'm not going to make a trade. But why not hear the offers? Maybe someone is going to make you that offer you can't refuse. You know, give you, I don't know, 18 number one picks and you make the move. You know, that's why, why not hear it out? You can always say no. There's no, no there's nothing tying you down. That's yeah. like if you listen to an offer, you have to make, you have to make a trade. No, you don't. Are you afraid? I keep thinking when I hear uh, Gettleman when he's talking that he's afraid to make a trade. That he's afraid that he's going to, oh, I'm going to trade down and I'm not going to get the player I want. I'm not going to get good enough value. And listen, the, all these NFL uh, GMs and whatever, they all have the Jimmy Johnson chart. They know what the fair value is. So you good know, oh, I'm not getting enough or you're getting too much or I'm getting a great deal. You know that. So I don't understand why, uh, why he's afraid. But his history tells us, if you go by his history, that he's not going to make a trade. He's never done so. He never likes done interior so. linemen and he doesn't trade back. His hog mollies and he doesn't trade. He's making his pick yeah. at four. I, yeah. Like I said, maybe Joe Judge. I don't know how Joe Judge, a first-year coach. Look, he didn't, any, George, George, he didn't even trade back for Daniel Jones last year. And, and we're a and year, was, we're a year out from where that was. And look, the second that pick gets made, none of it matters. The only thing that has to happen is Daniel Jones has got to be great, right? Agreed. So it's the only Agreed. thing that matters. But even still, a year later, I would sit here and say, I don't think he read the room properly. He was he was panicking. He was sort of internally panicked about moving back and still being able to get Jones. And I, I still think to this day he didn't read the room properly and he could have moved back and still gotten Jones. I don't know. Did he get him at 17? I think that was their other pick last year when Washington picked at 13 and took Haskins. But I think he could have moved back and gotten some value uh, there for one of the other premier players in the draft. That's just my opinion, even a year later. Uh, again, it doesn't really matter other than they could have had another player. They obviously picked three guys last year, so th- they were uh, they were working with uh, a lot of cards in the deck. I just think that they could have gotten even more, even if it was to move back a few slots and, and get a second-round pick, whatever it might have been. So uh, anyway, so that bridge that leads that bridges me to the next topic, which there's a couple of tweets uh, that happened consecutively that kind of lit uh, football Twitter on fire. And I don't normally scour Twitter uh, for stuff, but this was, I thought, a big enough deal. And it, um, it the reason I use the Gettleman story as a bridge is because I, I want to see what your thought process is on this. So first it was Daniel Jeremiah at Move the Sticks on Twitter. I believe we'll see less group think in the draft this year at Pro Days, coaches and scouts from different teams spend so much time around each other that they end up forming a consensus on players. It's not the case this year. And some will be shocked at how high and low these guys go. So that's tweet one. Then a retweet from Ian Rappaport says, if I had a GM, I had a GM tell me, quote, 
the media is wronger, interesting word, about mock drafts this year than you guys have ever been. End quote. Point being, players are going to be taken in places no one expects. Now, you and I have talked about this a little bit. These guys are sort of out on an island a little bit because they don't, as uh, Daniel Jeremiah said, they are not really conferring with guys, at least to the extent that they normally do. I've listened to other podcasts and articles where all the GMs sort of have each other's numbers now and they're texting uh, furiously, uh, even in the lead up to the draft, to make sure that they can communicate on draft night if and when they want to make a trade. But your thoughts about this actually being somewhat chaotic relative to the mock drafts? And is it going to be more conservative, less conservative? What do you think? I think it could end up being more conservative. I do, because maybe you can't, during the draft, that 10 minutes, uh, contact other teams, talk to as many people as you want. Because I think this is new for everybody. I know they're going to do a, what, a, a test run on Monday. That's mm-hmm. great, one test run. But no one's used to what's going to go on here. And now we're hearing that teams might be able to stop the clock if they're having trouble getting their pick in. How's that going to work? How do they get telling the truth? Well, how you know I'm just not stopping the clock? I guess now I'm a GM of whatever team. You're a GM of another. We need an extra minute. Hey, Roger, we can't, I'm having trouble here. Give me a second here. I don't understand how any of this is going to work. I think we're going to have some problems here. But I think in the end, you will see more conservatism because you, you haven't seen certain players. And yeah. certain players you have seen. Or maybe you're not going to go out and take that player. Listen, we really like this guy, but we didn't get a chance to do enough studying on him. We just didn't get to him. They, they've lost, what, about seven weeks here, right? Between the start of the epidemic, I think it was the 12th of March, I'm in draft. It's about six, seven weeks. So maybe during those six, seven weeks, players that were going to come in didn't come in, so they're going to shy away from those players. Maybe they're going to play it safer than they normally would, and they're not going to take too many chances, especially in the early rounds. You know, you don't want to screw up your first-round pick, maybe not your second-round pick, so maybe you don't you still take too many chances there, and you take guys you've either seen or that you, you're certain scouts, you're certain players in your organization, employees in your organization that you trust have seen, and you go that direction. Yeah, the bummer for me is that the conservative – route would be unfortunate in that that would probably mean less trades uh guys maybe aren't comfortable doing well, with maybe this it's more process trades. maybe you trade Why? more because you you might think Why? of this i didn't get a chance to look at players here or as many players as i normally would so i would rather have more picks and more chances to hit it right than just you know stick on my seven picks uh, totally if I have logical picks, if i have 10 picks i have a better chance to get it right you may have lower picks but a better chance to get something right because maybe I'll – listen, a lot of the draft is luck. You're hitting on a player, especially in the, in the later rounds. You're hoping to hit on this player. So I could see it being that way too. I think you, you can read it either way. But that being said, I kind of think there could be less trades as well because I think too many people, too many teams are going to be worried or too many GMs are going to be worried about looking I think they're going to be gun-shy about this process. I, I was listening to something the other day. It might have been GM Shuffle, Mike Lombardi and Adam Burke. might have been that, where they were talking about – how they got, no, it was a Peter King podcast. There's like IT guys coming into the coaches' homes to make sure that everything's good to go. They don't want the IT guy in there. The IT guy doesn't want to be in there. It's a really uncomfortable situation, obviously. Um, I don't know the coach and the IT guy are best friends in the first place, and now the guy's in your house and coronavirus and all that kind of stuff. I just think that they might be gun-shy during this process to make trades in the moment. It's why I was expecting to maybe, and look, we've still got time to hear a little bit more prior to the draft about trades being made, like that Lions pick that you and I feel like needs to get moved. Like, I want that thing to be moved on Wednesday. You know what I mean? So we know that we're going to have a little excitement going in. But I also think that over the years, 
the owners, the commissioner, the teams have sort of gotten together and said, hey, to make this draft really spectacular, we have to hold on to some suspense, right? You trade the veteran players around, but picks don't really start moving until draft night. Hell, like the Kyler Murray thing, the Cardinals obviously knew for a really long time, didn't announce it. He showed up that night in a red-pink suit, so it was obvious that that's who they were taking. But I think the NFL has talked to everybody over the years to make sure that there's some suspense when it comes to draft night, as much as possible, at least. Yeah, they have. Listen, it's a TV event, and they want what they told what Schefter and all these guys out what don't you can't announce the picks. They want to show it on live TV on ESPN, the NFL Network, which, by the way, yeah. this year is the same telecast. They're not having two different telecasts, and ESPN yeah. is pretty much doing it. NFL Network yeah. can't get back in their studios yet. That's a big reason why. So, uh, you know, it's this is a television event. This is made for television. It is. You know, that's why it's starting at 7 o'clock at night and not 12 noon or something like that. That's why it's on TV because we enjoy watching it. I know I enjoy watching it. I'll be full-on participant looking at the uh, – even if, there, even if we uh, had games, I'd have this thing on the TV somewhere to be able to watch the uh, uh, NFL draft. But, uh, yes, they, they want it on TV, so it's, it's geared towards TV. And everything's geared towards TV. But it's also why I think it's going to be a lot of fun because they're going to be screw-ups. Something's going to happen, whether it is a bad trade because they couldn't get it in or there's somebody's nervous and they're talking. They don't know how to get a trade in. How do you get a trade in? Do I have to email Mike Blewett and Joe Ranieri and get both things to say yes? Or Joe, and Joe's the commissioner, so you got to say yes, I got to say yes. We both got to send emails to Joe Ranieri, and then he goes, okay. I mean, how does that work? And does it both, those, does both those things have to be in by the time my 10 minutes are up? Or yeah. does do we, oh, you're on the phone with Joe Ranieri. You're on your iPhone, I'm on my iPhone. I'm going, hey, Joe, we got to get a trade going in here. Mike, uh, I'm trading the third-round pick for this guy. And uh, my, then Mike goes, yes, I agree. And then Joe goes, okay, trade's good. And how do you get yeah. how, does that, how does that get transferred to TV? There's going to be screw-ups. I'm dying it. I saw on Twitter today where someone was putting up what team is going to screw this up. And it's I just find this funny. Not so much the Twitter thing, but it's always the same three teams that get put on there. Giants, Browns, and I think people voting for the Bears, too. Now, one of those three teams are the three, uh, we one of the ones that screw this thing up that have a problem with it. Yeah, yeah. So, um yeah, you know, the, the, obviously the biggest influence of the rookie salary cap over 10 years ago now was uh, teams' ability to want to move around in the draft, right, um, to make trades. You weren't scared about picking in the top 10 anymore because if the previously if the pick didn't work out, it was going to bury you. Now, that's not really the case. You obviously, you're, you're giving up assets and everything else, but financially you're not totally buried by those top 10 picks not working out. Yeah, it's, it's a huge thing. What, what the owners wanted, I think a lot of fans wanted that too. We Me didn't too. want to see these yeah. guys coming in right away, getting gazillion-dollar contracts. And as you said, if they busted, you were screwed. Especially were screwed. those top quarterbacks. It, it was setting your franchise back a half a decade. The Ryan Leaves, the Rick Myers of the world who didn't work out. No, I think that was a good thing. The owners wanted that. Listen, I think most fans can relate to that too, that maybe you got to show something. Of course, then again, not working out too well for running backs. Yeah, shout out to Jamarcus Russell. We're going to come back, talk about the Wonderlick test on the grid right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Football Full Circle, closing it out, talking draft stuff with George Kurtz again. Follow him on Twitter at George Kurtz. I'm at Mike Blewett. Uh, headed towards uh, draft less than a week away. Uh, George and I are excited to be talking about that. We'll continue doing props leading up to the draft. I'll be hosting uh, our draft extravaganza. So follow us live on Sports Grid on draft night. We'll be basically following the NFL draft as ESPN uh, slash NFL Network are announcing the picks, and we'll be giving you our take. We'll be following those wagers that you've placed on the draft live, and we'll uh, we'll see what's cashing and what uh, and, and give you an outlook for the teams from a fantasy football perspective uh, and a wagering perspective uh, as we look towards the 2020 season, whenever that might start. So, George. A uh, story came out today about the Wonderlick test. You and I have mentioned in our previous shows, I'm a little uneasy about the Wonderlick. Now, full disclosure, kind of like knowing the Wonderlick scores. I'm interested in it. I don't know why, because it doesn't really necessarily scientifically tell me anything. But also, I think I shouldn't know what they are. I think it unfairly paints guys as... Uh, simpletons or guys that don't have a grasp of offenses. I I just think that people look down on those scores and I I just think it's unfair for players to be perceived like that. So I'll give you that. I'll throw that in your lap first for you to comment. First of all, that was Brett Levy texting me. I love Brett. He's not even producing the show today and he's still trying to get on the show. Yeah. Uh, Good job, Brett. Uh, (laughs) I agree with it. 
I think I look at it. I don't really care because I don't know how this equates to bring a professional athlete of any us uh, position. Okay, you can't. Maybe you're a bad test taker, and that's why Tua did so bad on the one. Apparently, of all the quarterbacks, Tua got the worst score. Thirteen, I believe. Well, yeah, today. I'll, I'll I'll rip them off in a second. I'll let you finish your comment, and then I'll rip off the scores. Yeah. So uh, I, I've heard of worse. I know someone got a nine back in the day. I don't remember who it was. I guess I do care if you got really bad or really high. Achilles, you know? Achilles Smith had a tough time at the Wonderlick. I think I've heard of a nine. I might even heard of a seven once. But uh, I don't know what that equates to being a professional quarterback. You know, can you? I only care. Can you read defenses? That's what, what what needs to be said. I don't I don't know what exactly what the questions are on the Wonderlick. I've seen the Wonderlick, but I don't remember the questions. Don't care. We've all taken weird tests when you go for a job interview at times during your life. That it, sometimes they ask the same question eight different ways. To see if you'll answer the question the same way eight different times, yeah. or at least six out of eight, whatever it is. And those are similar yeah. tests. So uh, you know, it is what it is. I guess it's to measure certain mental acumen. You know, but I don't know. To me, it's like anything else. It's like when you go into a fantasy draft. And we say, you know, use a cheat sheet. Use a mock draft. Use your rankings. Use this. It's all a tool, but there's no, no one tool that's beyond all the others. You know, I think that's what the one to look is. It's a tool like any others. But if I'm a GM, I'm not going to automatically not draft somebody because he got a 13. Or I'm yeah. not going to go draft somebody because he got a 45. It might be a coin flip, you know, something to uh, determine something later. All right, it's close between player A and player B. Everything else is even. Well, player A got a 45, player B got a uh, 13. All right, I'll go with the 45 player. I can see it being a, a, the final determining factor if everything else is close, but not something that I overwhelmingly care because the player flunked it or he did, you know, outstanding on it. Yeah. So I lost my scores. Uh, little computer glitch here, but Jake Fromm came know. in at J J Jake Fromm came in at a 35. Um, Joe Burrow came in at a 34. And the scores cascaded down from there. Tua came out uh, at a 13, the lowest of those high-profile quarterbacks or really the quarterback class this season. So there's going to be people that obviously say that, ah, you know, I don't know about that. It, do you think it, it could have any bearing on their decision-making ability sort of within, forget on the field, within the building, making those sort of um, team leader-type decisions in the locker room, off the field? Do you give that any credence? I mean, not really. Uh, once again, I sometimes I think uh, when a GM is looking for a reason not to take a player, and this might go back to, once again, the conservative part of a draft. I can see that the negative scores come out, and that's uh, a good enough reason alone for a, a GM not to take somebody because they're looking for any reason not to because they're trying to save their ass. They're trying to save from the negative comments mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But uh, I don't think it should, Mike. I don't. But I think this is a weird year. I think things that normally wouldn't be in play – will be in play this this draft season. Yeah. Uh, so I did take a Wonderlick once. This was 20 years ago. Living the corporate life, looking for a new gig. I get in touch with this recruiter, whom I didn't love, by the way. Not a lot of corporate recruiters out there that have great <laughs> reputations with people. It's a tough business. It's a tough gig. And a lot of people blow in and out of that industry because they don't know what they're doing and that job stinks. You're just smiling and dialing, trying to force people into jobs that they don't want and aren't particularly great. But anyway, that's 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 part of the deal. The corporate recruiter game is brutal and there's a lot of people that you come across in there that you just don't like and they may not like you either, but that's fine. I sleep well at night saying that. Now, 
um, I had to, this guy told me that a company was going to set me up with, which shall remain nameless, although many of you out there would know it, um, wanted me to take an aptitude test. I was like, fine, I'll see you at your office whenever. I go over there, I think the next day, and I walk in, and I don't know at this moment that I'm going to take the aptitude test. That wasn't where the conversation had led the day before. I just thought I was going to have to take it eventually. Perhaps I was going to go to their office uh, and take it. But I had to meet with this guy, and he leads me into a, a room, and uh, he hands me a sheet of paper and a pencil. And he's like, uh, all right, I'll be back uh, in like 10 minutes, so go for it. Or he's like, you got 12 minutes. I was like, what? So I don't have a I don't have a clock, I don't have a phone. This is like before smartphones, so I don't really have a, a reliable clock on my phone. I don't have a, a timer, so I just sit down. And like, I always did pretty well on standardized tests, um, but timing is a really important thing in those, right? So to not have any idea what time it is and how much time I have left uh, was messing with me from the start. So I, I didn't finish it. It was 50 questions, 12 minutes. That was the wonderlick. Uh, I think it's still the same. And it was really general aptitude questions. Some are grade school level questions, period. Um, and most of them are relatively easy. There's a couple of logic questions, a little simple math, a couple of syntax, grammar questions from what I remember. Um, and I think I did well. And I, got, I did well enough that this company uh, interviewed me, and that interview, I would state, was terrible. The person I talked to was terrible. They didn't want me to have the job. I really didn't want the job. And I was like, why did I go through all of this for this terrible interview? It was a phone interview. And I didn't like this woman so much. She was so condescending and picking me apart that I was like, you know what? I don't even I don't even want this job. And what? And I just couldn't wait for the phone call to be over. I didn't say that because I didn't want to be unprofessional. But God, it, what a terrible interview. I, I still remember it. I was in my apartment in the Upper East Side on this phone interview, and I, I couldn't wait to get off the phone from this woman. And I remember talking to the recruiter. He's like, yeah, they're going to pass. I was like, to be honest, I was passing too, so uh, no harm, no foul. But I never found out my score of the Wonderlick. I would love to reveal what I got. Uh, I didn't finish, so it wasn't a perfect score. Uh, but I think I did well. I mean, I think I beat all the QBs, if I'm being frank, but I'm not positive. I'll never know. Maybe I didn't beat any of them. Maybe I got lower than Tua. I'll, I feel like I got over a 13. Um, I probably beat out Jake Fromm. I'd say I probably got high 30s to low 40s, something like that. I really didn't find the questions to be that difficult. It's just trying to get them all done in time. Uh, I don't remember any. We've all been on bomb interviews where it's like, you just know it's not going well. And I've been on an interview yeah. like you mentioned where I don't want this job if you offer it to me now. I just want to get the hell out of here. I got better things to do than be on this. Yeah, agree. And uh, yeah. Why, I, how I, is I, your personality so bad the first time I, met, I meet you? That's what I always think of those terrible interviews I had. Like, why would I want to work for you? You're terrible now. And I don't even I've see got, you I've every day. interviews where they, they're not paying attention. Yeah, yeah, where they're not even looking at what's this is all before smartphones, where they're not they're not yeah. even looking at you. They're like they're on their computer screen. I'm like, why am I here? I've also been on the other side of interviews where I've given interviews. I was I was a branch manager at a bank, so hiring tellers or uh, or CSRs. And I remember, man, this is this is terrible to say, but uh oh, I went no. on I I needed to hire a couple of tellers. All right. All I all I wanted was a teller. I was like, can you yeah. add two plus two? 
And a couple, the first couple of, uh, was one guy and two, they were bombs. Like, oh my God, I can't hire you. After, I didn't care anymore. It came, it came into me, do you look good? You're pretty? You're hired. All right? I didn't care anymore. Like, I, your eye candy for me, I can deal with your problems. I just need to be, you know, at least I get something out of this. And I, I hired a couple of good-looking uh, girls. They ended up being very good tellers, but uh, it's like, I had, I had people come into me news with jeans. You're working at a bank, folks. Yeah. All right? I mean, I don't ask for much. Lord knows I'm dressed like a slob most of the time, but uh, it's bank. All right? I have to yeah. wear a suit. If you're a guy, you better come in in a suit. All right, don't come in in jeans or in sweats and a t-shirt. I'm not, you're not, I can't give you the job. If you're a woman, same thing. Can't come in in jeans. Wear something, uh, something business. So it's, interviews go both ways, where it's like, as soon as the person walks in, well, I can't hire you. You know, now we're just wasting each other's time. And if you can't, if you can't do the obvious, you know, as far as that's concerned, then please uh, go on here. Or handing me a resume with cute little hearts and stuff on it. Are you kidding? How old are you? I ain't got yeah. time for this. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. So, uh, so yeah, I wish I knew what my Wonderlic score was. I think I did pretty well, but again, I, I I didn't finish it, so no perfect scores. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I overestimated myself. Maybe I got in the twenties. I, I don't know. I, I didn't. I wasn't there for the grading. They didn't tell me what I got. So it was just uh, a baseline. Did you do well enough? It was like a pass fail as far as it was concerned to get to the worst interview, worst phone interview of all time. Uh, all right, so. Uh, got a few minutes left. Uh, I'm going to throw it to you, George. You're coming up with a topic here uh, because my computer crapped out. I lost my notes, and we got five minutes to go. <laughs> well, first of all, you're lucky I'm here. Yes, all right, I remember, am. Don't think, don't think I haven't forgotten what you did to me last night. Oh, that, I know. That was that was just very unkind, Mike. Very it unkind. Was. It but was. it got me thinking. Uh, got me thinking about. Uh, now I know I was a cowboy fan. The worst, uh, the only game I ever cried about was the uh, the, the catch, the 1981 championship game that took place mm -hmm. in 82, actually. Yeah. Uh, and, what, and what bothers me about that, Mike, is that, yes. and I've said this many times, not so much the catch. Dwight Clark made the catch, Joe Montana, yeah, yeah we've seen the video 8,000 times. But everybody forgets. There was something like 50-something seconds left after that. And the Cowboys, on the first play, uh, when they got the ball back, Drew Pearson caught a ball over the middle, a little uh, slant, uh, skinny post, if you want to call it that, and he was gone. And he got tackled by his shoestrings. But still, Dallas had the ball up around the 40. I think it was a 45. Uh, two plays later, they're at, just about at midfield. There's still time left. There's enough time here. Raphael Septian was the kicker before he started being a pedophile. And uh, Whoa. Yeah, he had some issues. This came there. out of nowhere. Uh, well, if you're, if you're a Cowboy fan, you know this. But yeah. uh, this is... Uh, I'm what saying, they're, they're we touched today. on a lot of stuff tonight. Uh, I'm trying. I'm full today, circle. excuse I'm, me. I'm like wide world of sports. I mean, it's okay, football. Yeah, football. It's a beautiful circle. day, Mike. Do you it's not know football, what a nice day it is? Football full circle. See, it's so, full yeah, circle. So, yeah, we cover the full gamut of topics here. Yeah, so uh, everybody forgets that Dallas is driving. Might have hit the game-winning field goal there. And then Danny White and the center, I want to think it's, that gives Tom Rafferty, fumbled the exchange. And San Fran recovered it. But uh, that was the only game that I George ever, was 30 uh, years uh, old at the time, folks. I think I was 11. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. It wasn't really uh -oh. an age joke. It was just to say that you were emotional at, a, at an advanced age. This is this is why revenge will be mine, Mike. Revenge will be yeah. mine for last night. For yeah. That, Look, when it takes you nine when it takes you nine hours to film a one hour show, you're gonna get a little punchy. <laughs> you're gonna run out of things to talk about, and uh, that's where we're at. So the sad part um, is that's not too much an exaggeration. Listen, yeah. Joe Lisi's never coming on again. 
Joe Lisi, no. is, uh, he's forgotten your number, my number. George who? Mike who? Blew it? No, never The heard good of thing him. is we may have turned a corner today. We may have turned a corner. I'm not going to jinx it, but we may have turned a corner. You might see more high-quality video from us in uh, the subsequent days, so, weeks, and months ahead. Anything what? We'll take any quality video, right? This is true. High quality, good quality, solid quality, Usable average quality. quality. Yeah, base level quality. Sort of like the base level score that I got uh, on the Wonderlick, ostensibly, uh, to be able to get to the worst interview uh, ever. Uh, so since you came up with an emotional loss. So the funny thing about being a Steelers fan is nobody wants to hear you complain, right? Because they have six Super Bowls and they're generally successful. Mike Tomlin currently has never had a losing season, even though I would I would submit that this last decade for them was not uh, that successful. It started off with a Super Bowl loss and then uh, not really a lot of big wins after that. But uh, from the time I was six years old, the Steelers won four Super Bowls in the first six years of my life, right? Well, they didn't win again until 2005. I was in my 30s. I'm just saying. My whole life following the Steelers was, they, I was just frustrated by it. The 90s were excruciating. The 94 loss to the Chargers is the worst one. They got to the AFC Championship game. They were absolutely the best team in the AFC in 1994. And in that AFC Championship game, the offense just totally stalled. They lost 14 to 10 on the ostensibly the last their last offensive play of the game. Ball gets knocked down in the end zone. I thought they were going to win it. I was in college. I was just sick to my stomach. Uh, followed up the next year, they lose to the Cowboys, and that was a brutal loss because they could have had it, but that Larry was Brown. in the midst. That, what? what Larry, that? Brown. Larry Brown. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. The guy just stood there, and they threw two passes to him, and he won the MVP. But um, when I look back on it, and even at the time, I was mad because they could have won that, and it was the Cowboys who were, we had this built-in rivalry from the time we were kids. But uh, it's in the midst of the Cowboys dynasty, so it, it wasn't – as devastating. I understood how good the Cowboys were. Aikman and Irvin and Emmett and, and the whole crew uh, were still there. So uh, that wasn't as devastating. So 94 loss to the Chargers. The 2001 loss to the to the Pats was no fun uh, either. I think they would have had a shot to beat the Rams. That 94 team, I'm not sure that they're beating the 49ers, who are a juggernaut at that point. So that's it. Closing out with our most heartbreaking NFL losses. George and I will be back for another episode of Football Full Circle soon. Thanks for watching On The Grid. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Get on the grid. Take care, everybody. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.